All right. All right. Welcome back. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Tonight we have a special guest off Instagram. Her name is MyMaria777, and she is an anonymous attorney offering her unique legal perspective during the Great Awakening. Welcome, Maria. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. You have a fantastic voice. I, I, I started to listen to a little bit of the podcast today, but you have like 25 episodes and they're, they're very long episodes, some of them. So I kind of just started to just skim the surface of that. Uh, I guess my first question for you is, I've been following you, I think, since the quarantine started. How long have you actually been on Instagram doing this, this account? I started my account actually on St. Patrick's Day in 2018. So March 2018 is when I originally uh, created my Maria. So how did you get into making this account? What, what brought you into the movement of Q, or the Great Awakening? Ironically enough, uh, at the time I was engaged and my fiance, excuse me, my fiance was like really into conspiracy theories. And, and I kind of always had been, but he was really into like, he would watch YouTube videos about it all the time. And for a couple months, he tried to get me, like he, he had gotten into Q. And so he was trying to get me into it. And sometimes I'm just a little like oppositionally defiant for for no reason. So I think I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'll look at that sometime. I'll look at that sometime. I watch a little Real Housewives from time to time. So I was really into blind items. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. And I was learning about blind items in the time when like everything was dropping about Kevin Spacey. And it was like the beginning of Harvey Weinstein and all that stuff was coming out. And the blind items started talking about Clinton and Nexium. And it was kind of overlapping with the stuff that my fiance wanted me to look at at the time, the Q stuff. And so once I finally stopped being a brat about it and really got into it, I, I loved it. I was so into it. Like, like, that was back in the time. I don't know how long you've been following Q where, you know, we still thought it was happening in real time. So getting a Q drop was just like the most exciting thing to happen. You'd like come home and you know, do your research and decipher it. And I ended up joining a discord and met some great people that are like still my really good friends right now. Uh, but unfortunately now, and even two years ago, but especially two years ago, I was worried about, you know, sometimes I have clients that try to follow my personal Instagram account or friend me on Facebook. And I just didn't want them seeing who I was following or that's back when also Instagram had like an activity feed that was like hidden with your likes. And so you could see, you could see what people were doing. And I just didn't want people to see that kind of interaction. So I decided to make an anonymous account. And then the more that I kind of got into this stuff, you know, you just kind of want to have a voice. Sometimes you just want to say something, even if nobody's really listening, but QAnon is so like inextricably intertwined with the law and violations of the law and what happens. And there were so many people, so many Anons that were deciphering Q in a very terrible way and offering, like putting a very bad legal perspective or spin or explanation on it. So part of my account originally was just like, I got to like show these people like they're a bunch of fucking idiots. and They don't know what they're talking about. I've always been into conspiracy theories, like always 
uh, some like the Bermuda Triangle. I, I was so into that as a child. So no, I've always been into this stuff. I call myself kind of like a child of the internet. And I think, I don't know how old you are. Um, I'm 32, but I, I was one of those kids that like had a computer like in the very beginning when they first came out. And I just, I spent a lot of time on the internet. And I think I just, I've always naturally questioned things. I, I went to Catholic school and always used to like question a lot of things there and like would get in trouble for stuff like that. So um, I don't know. I've just kind of always veered a little off the beaten path. Now, I remember on your old page, you used to have this theory, this theory that I've never really seen before. I can't even really explain it now because I don't remember it. But do you, you have this theory that like Obama and all these guys are already protected somehow? Oh, I have this, I have this really, really extensive conspiracy theory of my own that Obama has issued blanket pardons for him and everyone in the deep state. And that is why nothing has happened and nobody's been held accountable. And that I think that Trump has, this has been like the long game of long games and that he knew what he was doing back in, I think it was what, 2007, 2008 with the, you know, if you Google him, part of his Wikipedia says like he was the originator of the birther movement. He was the, the, like the celebrity face behind Obama producing his birth certificate when he was running for president back in 2008. And it's just so ironic to think about that now, but my, my whole theory revolves around the notion that this has been this long game and that he's eventually going to prove it's all going to come full circle that Obama really wasn't a United States citizen. He really didn't have standing to be president. Therefore, his presidency is voidable. And in some sort of strange writ of certiori up to the Supreme Court, his presidency gets set aside and all these pardons get set aside. And then therefore the whole Q movement can then drop. But that, that is my, like, w my wild conspiracy theory in a nutshell. But I, I don't know. I, I think there's some validity to it. You think about back, I don't remember the year now. I guess it's going to be like 14 or 15 when Hillary testified before Congress about Benghazi, when the bleaching of her servers was, was out, and she, Comey comes out and says, you know what? she per se violated this criminal statute. So for me, legally, per se means like it most definitely happened. And when it happens, there shall be this criminal punishment as a result. Like there's no wiggle room. There's no interpretation left for the judge or the prosecutor. If it happens, this is the punishment. And so he says like she per se violated the statute, but, but we're not going to do anything about it. And it's just like, Again, me as the attorney, I'm just like, Comey, you don't, you don't have the discretion to, to say that within the context of this reading, this interpretation of the law. And it's just like, what the fuck is going on here? That, that's just something that's always so wild to me. There's just no accountability, no transparency whatsoever. And so that, that's my explanation to why there's been no, no one's been held accountable and that Q has kind of laid this this pattern, this clock, this trail of breadcrumbs, and theoretically it could be activated at any moment. 
Yes, thank you for clearing that up. It was such a good theory, the theory I'd never seen before, and it's so sad. I, I went back doing research for this uh, podcast today, and your account, obviously the new account doesn't have much material relative to the old one, so what was it like losing that account? I know it was rough for me. I lost my account for a few days. It was almost impossible to get back in. I finally got back in, and I'm super shadow banned, so tell me about that, that whole process. I know. I was actually on vacation. And so I had like decided I was just kind of, you know, I was turning my brain off from being the attorney and I wasn't going to look at any of my emails while I was gone. And then I was like, you know what, I'm just going to kind of like have this cleanse. I'm going to do Maria when I get to do Maria. And then I like got that notification and I had this like good feeling and I'm really into the law of manifestation right now or the law of attraction and manifesting, excuse me. And so I was just like, i have been telling myself that like, my account's not going to go down. It's going to be fine. Uh, but yeah, that was a, that was a punch in the gut. Two and a half years. I, I have, I have this feeling that, that Trump's going to set aside that section 203 that gives these big, huge platforms, the uh, the privilege, if you will, from liability that, that they haven't been able to be held, you know, personally accountable. If like somebody like me wanted to sue them, I think he's going to lift that maybe before the end of the year. And I really do think we're going to get our accounts back. Literally, right before we got onto this podcast, I have been berating Spotify for months now because they haven't responded to any of my communications. And I just got a letter from them when I was looking for your email for the zoom. And it's just, it's just such a fucking bullshit. It's literally from their, their legal department. And it's just telling me that when I agreed to Spotify, I agreed to their terms and conditions and they can ban me for any reason or no reason at all. And it's just such bullshit. Totally total bullshit. But you know, at the end of the day, it's their platforms it's their rules it's a private company. It's like, you know, I can't go on Walmart and protest. They can kick me out. I got to wear my mask in public, unfortunately. No, I get it. I get it. I, I, I would never advocate any sort of government intervention into this kind of stuff. But my point is, that, like, there should be no banning of content. Like, again, if I'm on here, like, telling you how to, like, commit crimes and, like, talking about how I hurt people, that's one thing. But if I'm on here talking about an alternate view that somebody on the left finds just like a little too fucking spicy, you know, like, I, like I'm not, what do you gain by banning me? What do you gain by, by having that kind of power and, and preventing that kind of discord? I don't know. It's a uh, very 1984. They, they, there's a person that they can, they can save meme accounts. Now, I don't know if yours qualifies as a meme account and what kind of terms of service your account may have been guilty of violating. But I do have somebody you can get in touch with that may be able to get your account back. Um, but oh, if, it's, if it's political, though, I don't know. You know what I mean? But they, they can salvage meme accounts. So yours might qualify. I'll have to get you in touch with that person and I'll, I'll take care of that oh when we God, get off yes, the, the call no, here. So, I mean, here's the thing that I posed on, on my podcast the other day. By the way, check me out, MyMaria777 on all platforms except for Spotify. But when, like, I was talking about Adam Schiff, and he had tweeted last week this tweet talking about how the president must denounce QAnon. 
he must denounce him. And the question I was posing to my listeners was, what other time in politics do you recall any individual coming out and and talking out loud to the president and saying that the president must denounce this conspiracy theory? Like, what, what, when has that ever happened? I, I really think that this is like, we say in the legal world, sometimes like a case of first impression. And I, I just don't know another time in which somebody's actually come out about a conspiracy theory and and come out in public and, and asked that the president denounce it. Like, that's just so wild to me. And don't get me wrong. If you follow me, if you listen to me, you know that, like, I call Q a psyop all the time. People get their panties in a twist about that um, because they're attaching this negative connotation to that word. And I, I don't use it that way. I, again, the attorney in me, it, it's all very uh, black and white, very denotative. I'm talking about a PSYOP and like the very pure definition wise that like it is psychological warfare. Like it is inception. They are trying to like implant ideas in our head and they are telling us to wait and to trust and to do certain things. And if you do follow Q to a T, then you kind of abide by that. Uh, so I, I am very hard on Q and I talk really down about it all the time. But at the same time, like I am again, one of those like hardcore followers from back in the day. So I, I just think of it as like a, like a door, not kind of like this, like it opens the door to a lot of like red pills and like knowledge and truth. Oh things. yeah. But all of that to say that it's just a wild world we live in right now that like somebody's, that this is kind of like the talk before us and that like my sister is a, a crazy liberal, like just just a fucking idiot if you want me to be honest and she knows about my account and she doesn't really get it she doesn't follow it she doesn't uh, ask me any questions about it but my brother and her and I are in this group text and a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago when, when they really started talking about Q in the media for the first time and she was just like, I just really don't know what to think about, you know, the, the, the things I'm hearing about, the things you're posting about. And it's just, it's just wild what people think about us right now. It is wild. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's for me sometimes being in this for so long, it's still sometimes hard for me to comprehend that people can act at that level of, you know, evil. But it's a satanic pedophile ring ultimately that we're, we're going after. And uh, it's not pretty stuff. So... What's that next one here? Uh, and by the way, Schiff, psychopath, uh, so dirty. He's got Sampaku eyes, you know, the bulging eyes that have are, that are full of rage and murder. And he keeps pushing Rush, Russian collusion now for like, what is it, two, three years? So he's he's on his last what? legs. Four years. Four years. That's right. Four years. Since the entire election. They, they've thrown everything at Trump and they haven't gotten him. So let me ask you this. Were you a Trump supporter before Q? I wasn't like a huge, like, oh my God, Donald Trump, my Lord and Savior, like, like I'm bleeding for him. I, I, I thought that he was the best kind of option that we had, really the only option that we had. And I appreciated the, I hoped that he brought that kind of CEO business mindset to the White House and, and that he was going to like clean up shit in that way. And I really think that he has. Um, 
I do think that Trump is kind of a gray hat, like an opportunist. And, um, you know, that, that he's playing a role just like anybody else is playing a role in what's going on right now. Well, but, here, here, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say a big concern for me, a lot of my well-to-do, well-meaning friends, and I, 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 I'm in a realm of like people who are seeking higher consciousness. I work at a float center and I do all these things. And a lot of these people that want to believe Q, want to believe Trump, their Trump card to me is, well, he's owned by the bankers. And this is just a data collection on patriots and, you know, conspiracy theorists, people on the right, on the right side of the, of the aisle. What do you think about that? How many times are you hit with that? And do you think that that's a legitimate argument? Do you think that we, that Trump might be compromised, that he himself maybe had the, maybe the first to flip, or maybe he's controlled by the bankers that, you know, bailed him out when he was going through all his troubles with his casinos and stuff like that's what I'm always, I, I always have my friends sold and then they say, well, what about this? And then I'm like, well, could be. I think it's naive to think that Trump is like the Lord and Savior again. So like Trump is a an actor in this story. Does he have power? Most definitely. Is he the leader of the free world? Most definitely. But like there is an alliance. There is a group of people that have put him into that position. So beyond that, I mean, I think, again, I think Trump is an opportunist. So if I'm Trump and if I kind of come up, I know Trump didn't come from nothing, but if I come up from nothing, I build what he builds. I'm as connected as he is. Like, again, it's naive to think that like he hasn't had to like butter people up and get shit done and and make agreements and alliances and stuff like that. So I... If I was him and I kind of grew up, like, I think you would expect that on some level. Like, yes, he's going to owe favors to people. Yes, there are going to be people that you think that owns him or that he owes or some sort of way. But I'm sure he does. Perhaps I I guess I just don't put a lot of stock into that kind of stuff. Like, I might be owned by a couple people, but like that kind of stuff has to happen in order to get to the place that he was at to make the money that he did. You know, it kind of goes along with like the Epstein comment sometimes when people are like, oh, we're talking about Epstein and Ghislaine and all the people that were pictured with them, but we don't talk about Trump being pictured with him. And I guess that's just kind of like a a dead end argument to me in that like, like, of course they were at some of the same things. Like, of course their picture was taken together. Like, of, of course, especially if they were both in Miami at the time. But if you like dig a little deeper and you see like the bad business dealings that they had and how much Trump truly hated him because Epstein screwed him out of like a big real estate deal, you kind of see that like, I don't know, I guess perception is reality for a lot of people and everybody is owned by somebody. So it's, I think, naive to think that he would have ever just been completely squeaky clean. Yeah, there's a lot of theories out there that, that he is, uh, like I said, either he's flipped, he was a part of it, he was a part of the satanic pedophile cult, which I don't believe, by the way, or that he's been deep cover, right? Now, another one is the time travel bend. Do you, do you think, do you believe in Project Looking that. Glass? I do too. That's one of my, I'm, uh, that's what really, when I was, I've been in conspiracy theories for a long time, and I dropped it right around 2015, 16, I said, I'm wasting my energy here. I was having an awakening and I've said, you know what, let me just, all this extraneous stuff of reality and Maya in the world and this illusion that we're going through. Yes. 
there's a good part of it that I need to work around and live through, but I don't need to give my energy to conspiracy theories anymore. So I kind of dropped it. And I watched the media for four years run, just go crazy with Trump. I didn't know what to think. I just left it alone. And I just watched on the sidelines. Coronavirus comes around, I'm back in the game. What, what, and what brought me back in the game was looking at the Q post and seeing Project Looking Glass, because I'm like, oh shit, I'm like, I know about that. I'd studied that for years prior with the secret space program and the 20 and back and all these things. And so for me, I started digging into that and I'm like, well, what, maybe Donald Trump is a time traveler because of his uncle and Tesla and all these things. So is that an angle that you, are you into that secret space program? Uh, oh, t- hidden yeah. technology? Okay, because that's a big one for me. It, it, I believe in disclosures in it, that it's, we've already been, we've been having soft disclosure. And I, I think that the time lensing technology is real and these whistleblowers are true. What's your take on all that? Project Looking Glass is real. Stargates are real. I believe in parallel universes. I believe there are an infinite number of them at this time. I believe in the Baron Trump omnibus and time travel and Nikola Tesla and John Trump. Yes, all of that is interconnected. Um, I think Project Looking Glass is fascinating. I, I, I love reading about it. I love, I, I'm of the opinion, based on what I read and what I research, that, you know, 9-11 was a false flag. And for sure, the whole weapons of mass destruction in the Middle East was a false flag. And then I, I really think a lot of the what happens in, in quote unquote war is about Stargates and, and, and what you read a lot is that like in Iran, in Afghanistan, like they had that kind of stuff there. And so there, there's one scientist, I can't remember his name right now. I'm so sorry. Uh, he talks about like since the 1940s and 50s that there are more than like 40 or 50 project looking glasses and Stargates that exist and that everything that we've been doing has been about fighting about that. There's this all a metaphysical thing that then they all seemingly get together at the same time and perpetuate the fake war narrative on top of it when all this other stuff is going on behind the scenes. This wild video on TikTok, I actually have it on my profile right now, my backup account, that talked about some of the NASA astronauts that were getting into like Mars back in like the 70s and 80s. And it's talking about that very briefly. And at the end of it, it mentions that like Barack Obama was involved with this project as well. And it was talking about how the way that you got to Mars was like through a portal. Um, Yes. That's the 20 and back program too. It was Andrew Bishago. Yes. I just think that that's so fucking intriguing. Like that's, I love that stuff. Me too. I'm I, like I said. That's what brought me back. That's what brought me into Q was the fact that they're using these things now, and Trump and his family going back to his uncle with the you know taking Tesla's papers and technology that the Trump family has had had has had access to this basically his entire life. That Trump grew up around knowing that aliens exist, time travel's real, and he was gonna he was gonna p- play a major part in that. So. I mean, yes, he's been groomed. for that. That's why I think that the whole birther movement, that this is all interconnected. I do too. I think it's a big, long con. I do too. And that's why I think that like people used to get on my ass on my last account when I would bring that theory up and they would say, there's no such thing as a blanket pardon. You don't know what you're talking about. 
And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to talk in terms that you all understand because I, I could literally basically talk in a whole different language, but I have to dumb stuff down. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but like I have to break down legalese a lot. And so when I use ter- term blanket pardon, I know that that doesn't really exist, but imagine you're in office for eight years. You have access to the brightest legal minds in the world. At the same time, you have as many interns as you could possibly want to do whatever you want. So if you looked at one of your like law clerks and said, get a list of every crime that exists, draft a, a blank pardon for each of those crimes, and then get them issued every single crime for Hillary Clinton, every single cl- crime for Joe Biden, and go down the laundry list of your friends, I mean, that, that could get done pretty quickly. And so that's what I mean by a blanket pardon. Is that possible? I don't know. Is it this? I mean, this is literally just my idea. Of you're the only person that has that theory. And I love that theory. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you. And, and I couldn't remember the exact because I, I went through your account. I'm like, oh, my God, where did where'd all this information yeah. go? It's such a all bummer. But you, you, really, you really had exactly what I wanted to hear, which was uh, this blanket pardon. And the fact that, yeah, you've got all this time, all these resources, go through the books, see what's available, and then, exp- and then exploit it. Right. And then, I mean, I, I, I go through these kind of like crazy hypotheticals sometimes in my brain when I think about looking glass and I think about the Mandela effect and all of the different weird things that we see in this world right now and the parallels and the Mandela effect in and of itself just like really trips me out and I think is proof that parallel universes exist. Oh, let me stop you right there. Are you in the six people in the car of the Kennedy assassination reality? Or are you in the four people in the car of the Kennedy assassination? How many people were in the car in the reality that you're in right now? Oh, I think four in my reality. Well, you need to go check it, Maria, because right there now are there are six people. And I, I, got, I just got chills on this. And I always talk to people. I talk to 5D Awakening Consciousness about this. It's... I there was a point in time where I was taking a ton of acid and doing a lot of floating. Mm-hmm. And I've always, like you, I've been a conspiracy theories person for a long time. I've always studied the JFK assassination. It's always been the driver, the governor, uh, Jackie and, and, and JFK, right? right. That's, that's right. But it's not the reality of where we are in now is six people. It's the driver. It's uh, a, I guess a secret service person. It's the governor and his wife and then Kennedy and then Jackie. So, the magic bullet theory really, really doesn't work in this reality. It didn't work in the other one, but it definitely doesn't work in this one. So that's why I wanted to stop you there. I wanted to see which reality you thought you were in and which one you were actually in. So look that up when we get off because it'll blow your mind. And there's more than the Zapruder film too. That's another thing. It's like, whoa. And the reality I came from prior to all this consciousness work, there was only the Zapruder film. And so now there's, there's different films. There's a little bit of a different angle. It's very strange stuff. And it, it blew my mind the day I came out of that trip and I, I started to look at the Kennedy assassination again. I'm like, holy shit, what happened? So parallel realities, Mandela effect. I don't need Project Looking Glass to prove that stuff is true. From my own subjective experience, I know my mind, my pineal gland, my energy system can shift through these realities. So if they've been able to back engineer, which is what they say Project Looking Glass is, it's a reverse engineered pineal gland, um, if they've made that technology, you know, I mean, I know, I know it's real on a personal level. So why, why couldn't they, you know, somehow make that? So 
definitely look into that because that'll blow your mind. So I don't know about you, but when I kind of go, I used to have this like one post of Mandela effect <clears throat> that was like 10 of them in a row. And so I have a bunch of them, but I, I just love to go through them sometimes. And I don't know about you, but I always remembered the one that no longer exists in every single hypo that I would find, you know, the Chick-fil-A with the C versus the K, the Shazam versus the Kazam. Okay. The Berenstein Bears trips me up because when I was in college, I would nanny and that was a, an easy way to make money back then. And so I used to take care of this little girl, um, like during the day, every single day. And she loved the Berenstein Bears. And they came on at this one time and we would always kind of like have it on in the background. And I don't know why, but I hated that show. And maybe it was my subconscious uh, from a parallel telling me that eventually it was going to affect my life like this. But I fucking hated that show. And I would just sit there and I was just like, the Berenstein Bears. Like it was just so awful. I hated it. And it was always spelt like s-t-e-i-n for me always and I would like I, I watched that show literally every day for like two or three years and then for it to come out and be the completely opposite way where it looks like it's stain like barren stain s-t-a-i-n and I'm just like you gotta be fucking kidding me like that the first time I saw that was that, the like, one I, for me too yeah I had kind of seen Mandela I'd heard about it I hadn't really paid attention to it but when I saw that and I thought there's there's no fucking way like how like I know what I saw I know what I remember exactly I know what I experienced now, I, I have that same problem because when I was a kid I would love those books and it was I was always saying to myself is it Steen or is it Stein there was never no, there was never a stain. That was never a possibility. It was like, right. is it, is it the EI or the IE? How do you say that? That was never an issue. And then, so to see the AI in, I'm like, well, the mental effect is definitely real. Another one I tell people to look at is Moonraker and uh, Jaws, the guy with the mouth and then the girl with the braces. Mm -hmm. There's a scene that is totally, it doesn't make any sense anymore because they're smiling at each other at the end and he's got the mouth, he's got the mechanical mouth and, 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 and she opens her mouth and she smiles and I think her name is Dolly and she doesn't have braces now. And so there's no, there's no, the joke doesn't have any context. It doesn't make any sense because he's smiling with his metal mouth. And then now she's smiling with no braces, right? In the original movie, she had braces. So if you look at the movie now, she's smiling and there's no braces. So like the joke doesn't make any sense. So that's another one that it's like, it's, it's one thing to misremember. It's another thing when the, the joke or the, the, whatever you're looking at, it, it no longer makes any sense because you know, now the joke is gone. She doesn't have a brace. She doesn't have braces anymore. So now they don't, they're, they're not in love or they don't find attraction because they don't, they don't have metal mouths. They, they both don't have metal mouths anymore. She is just a regular person with no braces. So that's another one to look into for people that are listening, Moonraker. And um, what I find so fascinating about it and I, what I wish that anybody who is listening would consider when you're talking to somebody, when you're having an argument that like, everything doesn't have to be about right and wrong. Like there doesn't have to be a right and wrong person or winner to an argument, if you will, because I love to talk about Mandela and I will pose these sometimes. And again, I, I had this one post I used to do all the time that it was like 10 of them. And I would post all 10 slides at the same time and say like, what do you remember? And instead of people talking about what they remember, it, you know, somebody would say Berenstein the way you and I recall it. And then somebody will comment and say like, that's so fucking stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. It wasn't like that. 
And we just have to kind of expand our consciousness beyond that, that like, it doesn't have to be that you're right about a memory, but like the, the more fascinating point, like we should not be fighting and, and making rude comments to each other. We should be talking about how fascinating it is that hundreds of thousands of people have one memory and hundreds of thousands of people have a completely different memory. And like, that is so fascinating to me. And like, when did these worlds converge? Like when, when do they start overlapping on each other? When do they start? I think they almost like stack up on each other and then collapse into one. Well, if you look into the looking glass stuff uh, deep enough, they say that the timelines converge sometime around 2012. I know that that's, that's interesting. And then, and then you surmise that perhaps it has something to do with CERN and the God particle that was found at that time. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess I believe that. And I almost think that that's their answer to like a sliver of kind of like what's happening right now. But like, I also believe that like parallels were happening before then. Oh, for sure. And I'm still, I'm still slipping between them. I'm still doing it. That's, that's why my whole message is floating is, you know, take charge, take charge of reality for yourself. You know, you can really shift things really hard. I come out of the tank sometimes and I floated deep enough and I've gone far enough where I've come out into a new reality and it happens all the time. And there's, there's such a subtleness when you're so still and quiet for so long, something magical happens. And that's what the floating provides that you really can't get anywhere else unless you've been a master meditator for five, 10, 15 years. So that's the possibility of the float tank. So I guess I wanted to ask you, um, one of the questions was, have you ever floated before? I have not, but I have read extensively about it. Like sometimes I get, I get, I get kind of like obsessed with subjects sometimes. And I will like, it's really the unfortunate thing is like the instant gratification to me. I like see something and I want to do it like right then. Um, but no, I've, I've, I've read a lot about it and I was really into it a couple of years ago before I had, I just got into psychedelics for the first time this year. Like I always wanted to do it, but I was always scared to do it because I had just been like conditioned to think that drugs were so bad for me. But um, no, I haven't done it before, but I'm, I'm very, very interested in doing it. Well, I don't know if you would give away your city. Probably not, though, right? Oh, no, I'm in Nashville. People know that. Oh, okay. Well, Float Nashville. Shout out to Float Nashville. I'm going to reach out to them, and I'm going to make sure you get a float. Oh, my gosh. That's so nice of you. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. You are, like me, um, spreading the light and helping the Great Awakening, easing people into the Great Awakening, because there are a lot of things that need to be explained and and you do that you do a good job at it you hold space very well I think you're very centered and a balanced person I've, I've like I said I followed you now probably about six months and um so yeah what so I guess that kind of leads into the next question which was okay so you just got into psychedelics what's been your experience so far what have you done okay so I actually had this like amazing opportunity uh at the beginning of quarantine like back in March you know I've I've been around drugs. I've smoked weed since I was 14 years old. Are you, are you, a, are you a, like a daily consumer of cannabis? I am now. And that's really just happened probably since I was like 28 or 29. Really, since I've been an attorney, it was needed to kind of like slow my brain down and decompress. And I have a lot of sleeping issues. And I, I was taking Ambien for some time, and I didn't want to do that anymore. But like I always smoked pot like socially, like recreationally. Uh, from like high school to college to law school and beyond. But I, I never like really got into it until uh, just the last couple of years. 
but I, you know, I had that good Catholic school education where they scared us into submission regarding mushrooms and acid and all of that kind of stuff. So I was just, I was so scared really for so long to do any of that. Uh, but at the beginning of quarantine, one of my good friends, he got uh, zucked as well. He was called a day of reckoning on Instagram. I was talking to him and he was telling me how his drug dealer got him the quarantine cocktail and it had this like all these different drugs in it. And I was just like, well, will you get me some? <laughs> we just like order me the same thing. Like I never had the opportunity to buy acid before or buy mushrooms before. So I bought literally everything that I could get. And I finally one day in March was like, all right, I'm going to find a friend. I'm going to do this. And of course, I, if I do something, I, I go bigger, go home. I, I don't know. There's no in between zero to 60 for me. So I did acid that day. I did mushrooms that day. Whoa. <laughs> was a, a wild, wild time in my brain. But since then, I've done um, acid a couple times, probably like three or four times. Now. Wow. Wait, so hold on. So in the, only since March, right? You've, uh-huh. you've done psychedelics. And the first time you did acid and mushrooms at the same time? Yes. Now, do you remember the dosage? Let's see. I think, again, I don't really know anything about these drugs. Uh, so if I sound kind of silly or uneducated, I apologize. Uh, I had paper acid and I had like one and a half squares. Okay, so you probably had a, probably at least 125 mics or more. So that's that's a really I would most people for the first time, especially I'm like, wow, you've only done weed. I'm like, you better just stick to one tab. All right, so you've already you've already gone over the, and it's not a bad thing, you know. I no, ultimately, I, I just I'm one of those people that has like a, a high tolerance on things, and uh, the mushrooms. God, we were fucked up that night, and we were literally just like eating mushrooms. There was no like scale involved we were just like dipping them into peanut butter and eating them after you were already on the acid yeah so i think they call that a uh i think it's a jedi flip oh really there's a name yeah there's a there's like there's a candy (laughs) when you take mdma and acid it's a candy flip and when you take mushrooms and uh acid it's a jedi flip oh my gosh there's there's different names but uh i'm pretty sure that's what you did so that's quite impressive actually for the first time probably you probably did a couple grams of mushrooms then a tab and a half like that's That was wild. It was like four o'clock in the morning and I'm watching myself sleep. I'm like in the corner of my room watching myself sleep uh, in my mind. And I had the wildest experience. I started to hear this song and I can still hear like faint parts of it. I can't sing. I can't remember it right now. But this song was a song that I sang to myself when I woke up. This is so weird. And I'm sitting and I'm in like in my room watching myself sleep, kind of like thinking. And I realize that like people are there and I can hear people talking about me. And I finally realized that like the people talking about me are all the other versions of me and all the other parallels. And they're talking about like how long it took me to wake up this time. And it, it was just really, really fucking wild. And then I had this song it was a song that I sung to myself to wake myself up. But in this like mushroom dream, like the song seemed familiar, which is so fucking trippy and makes me wonder if it's real. I don't know. I got to get back to that place and figure it out. What was the, what was the biggest, 
What was the biggest takeaway from that first trip? I mean, a lot of times it'll completely change somebody's perspective on God. Did you have any big takeaways or was it just like, you know what I mean? Like, does it, was it something that was like a quantum leap in your faith or, or just like first trip, but recently I did acid again. This time I did what somebody has told me is called glass pane acid. I don't know. It was different, but was it on a, was it on a piece of paper? Was it like a, a gel? It was like a gel. It looked like glass. Like pane. a gel tab. Like a That's what we call gel. those. Okay. But window pane, yeah, I mean, window pane, I think, is a specific type of acid. That's what, it was like window pane, glass pane or something. Right, like, like, a, like a certain chemist or something. Like sometimes, yeah. So, yeah, you had some really good acid. So I did that, and that was wild. Like that was, I saw, like, have you ever heard of the back rooms? Yes, I'm obsessed with the back rooms. Okay, I saw into the back rooms. I could have walked into the back rooms. I was like peeling away layers. I it it was that one was enlightening. That one was like I can manipulate the universe. Like I'm really into the universe these days. I'm really into synchronicities and angel numbers and simulation theory and like the universe is an interactive experience and through the law of attraction, through manifestation, like you can manipulate this experience. And when I took acid, I, <laughs> I took a shower and I ended up taking like a four hour in this zone. And I was like staring into my tile, but I, with my mind, I was like peeling the layers back from the tile. And then in like, when I unfocused and looked over to the right, I could see into the back rooms and like, I fucking love reading about the back rooms and stuff like that so that that was a wild acid trip that was like more like again I go back to this universe stuff I'm I get more and more empowered about how interactive this type of life truly is oh yeah yeah I guess the next thing for you is DMT oh I would love to do some DMT but I don't know where to get any well, the DMT finds you, so don't worry. It will come when you're ready. Oh, yeah. Well, you're the, you know, you're the subjective experience of you, right? But you're the universe having that experience through your set of eyes. And the biggest takeaway from acid, always the takeaway, and it's in different versions, different forms every time, but it's always basically the same message of unity and oneness with this fabric of reality that everything is part of the fabric of reality. Every person, every this bed I'm laying on, this computer I'm talking on, it's like the, the, the holodeck in Star Trek, right? That, you know, like you're just this awareness in this room projecting this reality of an, an electromagnetic reality that is attracting things based on your karmic propensity that you've accumulated through previous lifetimes and that at a certain point of awakening, they start to dissipate. Like, let's look, are you, are you still there? Oh yeah, I'm here. Like, in a, like somebody who's unawakened is like a spinning fan, right? They're just gonna go on and on and on, the fan is spinning. But the minute you awaken, you click the fan off. Now the fan is still spinning, right? That karma's still going, it's petering out. But at a certain point, the fan's gonna stop. And that's when you reach some kind of uh, moksha, some liberation from this life of samsara and illusion. And it's not, not, and it's not even to, I don't even say, let's try to escape it. Just enjoy your life. You're here for a reason to experience this 3D reality in your body. And, and so enjoy that. But at the same time, 
you know, you really, you, you will. And I think you're there, obviously, to, you've reached an awakening point where there's no going back. You can't go back to sleep oh, once you've been awakened. Most definitely. So I, I, I tell people like, okay, you've been awakened now. What level of awakening are you at? Did you just get the alarm going off? Are you still laying there? Like, I feel like I'm still laying in bed. I don't want to get up. I know I don't, I don't, I know I don't have a choice. I'm not going to go back to sleep. Um, but I'm not running to jump out of bed at the same time. In terms of awakening, where do you think you are? Are you just waking up? I, I'm most definitely still waking up. I, again, I am, I just went on this road trip and I went to Glacier National Park was one of my stops on my road trip out in Montana. And the I've always liked being outdoors. I've always loved nature, but like the more enlightened I become, the more I feel like my kind of star is ascending and the more woke I become, but become like I just feel like I keep having these moments with like nature and the universe and so when I was at Glacier I was like speaking to the universe like I felt like it was interacting with me I felt like it was communicating with me it was this like one moment with like me and myself and the world um and that that was pretty crazy so I I feel like I'm kind of like teetering on almost like a level up right now I don't really know what that looks like I don't really know what that is I, I am so open though. I am so, I think when you kind of start fucking with these subjects, like when you're again, like you, your fan, you realize that you are the fan and that you realize that you can turn yourself off and that you could have turned yourself off your the whole time, like in line with like the analogy that you were making earlier, like just that kind of moment of awareness, um, I think in the growth that I have had from that moment until this now, like I really just started getting into this universe stuff probably within the last, maybe this whole year, like 2020, which is kind of ironic with how 20 shitty right. has been. Exactly. Um, but like, I just, I, I haven't grown because I, I don't really know much more than I did before. I know a little bit more, but I, I just feel like there's been so much growth. You know what I, I, I guess you, that, like you were saying, like you can't go back, like the, the perspectives that like that Maria had and this Maria have are just, and one of the things that comes with that, I think is an acceptance of just like not knowing something and an acceptance of, of being okay with that. And I just kind of keep telling myself that like, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm willing like, I just want to learn as much as I can. And I'm kind of letting the universe present that stuff to me um, as it comes. But I don't know. I, I don't really know the answer to your question. But I, I don't purport to be like an expert on anything or to to know really anything at all. So I, I would agree. I'm, I'm still kind of just waking up like you. Fantastic. Um, I want to go back into... Mandela effect. So I have one of these theories and a Nick Hinton kind of, uh, you know, a lot of people have talked about this Matt Groening and the Simpsons and access to project looking glass and he's a Freemason. And so I have this theory that, uh, either he's had access to the looking glass himself, or he's had, you know, some, some CIA agent or somebody tell him within the deep state that this is the way events are going to play out. And then we want you to put these events in the Simpsons episode as sort of a predictive programming. You know, I don't know, you know, and if you look into graining a little bit further, he was actually on the Epstein flight logs. You've got uh, somebody that was on the plane with him that gave a whole 
a girl that like, gave him a foot massage on the plane. So there are, there are independent confirmations outside of the actual list that people argue that, you know, that list isn't even real or not, who knows. But so my theory is that the deep state through the looking glass technology has, we, has been doing a few things. They've been doing soft disclosure uh, with me, the Hollywood and media, but also like some, like the Simpsons, like Simpsons has been around for like since 89 or 90, 91. It's been around like almost what, 30 years now. So nothing has ever stayed on TV that long and the ratings haven't been great for a long time. And so my theory is it's just a state sponsored uh, mass media uh, psyop to disclose and predictive program the population. I don't know if, if you've ever looked into that at all, but um, that that's a theory I have. You know, I was always very averse to the symptoms, symptoms, what am I saying? <laughs> These Simpsons growing up. And it's just kind of funny. I, I've been reading a little bit about like kinesiology and like, um, you know, how your body reacts to things and how that's really your body telling you a lot more than you realize. But I don't know. So I, I look back at stuff like that and I wonder why I didn't like it. But I don't know. There's a lot of different theories about this. I actually talked about this on uh, my podcast on episode 25 with Hold Up, Wait a Minute. So check me out on this too there. But, you know, is this back to the future? Is is Matt kind of like Biff? Did he get to go to the future in some sort of way? Did he kind of get a book on the history of the world? Interesting. I like this theory. Back with this book and he's just been dropping breadcrumbs in his television show since then and and this is approved by the deep state on some sort of level that that's kind of one school of thought i i wonder sometimes if he's really involved at all and and he's just kind of been handed this movie script of what's to come and well he is a freemason well right so like that, that you're involved but like you're not like the top tier, if you will. Like, right. No, for like, sure. I don't think he's majestic 12 or anything. Right. Somebody's handing something down and saying like, this is what we want done. And this, but like, I think what's so interesting, like you think of Harry Potter uh, in like the ministry of truth or something like that. And you think like, how could that ever happen in like in our universe and our existence? But you wonder that, th- like, I just think about, I like to think about like the logistics of the deep state. <laughs> This is the fucked up stuff I think about. Like, okay, so there's just like some group out there and they essentially have some sort of like media department. And you know what I mean? Like they're going through having meetings, what, like once a week, once a day, once a year about, you know, we're going to shift the narrative to like, think about exactly the last 30 years. There has been an entire shift in media on both print, in television, in movies, into vampires and like, yes. obviously vampires were always around but there was a drastic shift in the late 80s early 90s that it was heavily put into media you look at Anne rice you look at interview with a vampire you look how that then parlayed into the 2000s with true blood and now there's shows with like drew barrymore out there uh the santa clarita diet where she is literally a cannibal like she is a zombie and she's eating limbs with flesh on them. And you think about kind of what we're going through right now. Like if Q is really Q and all of this stuff is really happening and adrenochrome is real and Hillary really is a cannibal and maybe she actually does have Kuru 
like, was this a whole soft disclosure media wise that like they were softly disclosing to us? They were predictively programming us about drinking blood and vampires. And then that turns into vampire facial. It's just like stuff like that. Like, there, is there a whole media department of the deep state? Like, oh, oh, yeah, I, I, I truly that, think so. So fucking wild to me to think about that, like. What well, really goes on behind closed doors? Well, the thing is, you know about the, the CIA, you know, the 4 a.m. drops to the, the major right. media companies, right? The Mockingbird right. Media. So I look at it like this. It's like these, these companies, they're owned by billionaires and trillionaires. At the very top of the pyramid, the power structure, it's secretive and that, you know, these malicious, nefarious plans are laid out. But like any corporation you, or, or pyramid, you've got a giant structure underneath of let's face it, unconscious people, just a, a massive group of unconscious people who are just trying to collect a check. They think they're doing something good in the world, being in the media, doing something for this company, X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. So because these illuminated ones, which, which are nefarious, ultimately, they are aware, aware and awake, but they pass this down on to people that are unaware. So they're not really guilty, these the people working for these companies, the news reporters. Now, some of them, I think, are obviously compromised, like you know Anderson Cooper, anybody at, at CNN on the front desk every day. I think that they're hip to the game to a degree. but uh, Or they've got CAA blackmail files or something. But totally, like, another one, I've, I, I was really thinking about, um, I, I look at soft disclosure in movies, not just alien technology, but their plan. And what really caught me recently, I was looking, I'm a big Marvel fan, and I was looking at Avengers and Avengers Endgame and Thanos snapping his fingers and half the population, you know, being uh, wiped out. And so this was released exactly a year before the coronavirus, you know, this right. whole, you know, this whole Infinity War saga of half the population disappearing. You know, it's, it's a it's, it's a very subconscious, very. Uh, veiled thing, but it's like it's you got, it's got you thinking in your mind, like, wow, what if half the population was gone? You know, it, it's kind of like shooting your mind down a narrow channel of thought and and predictive programming and NLP, all these things, all these little black magic spells they put into these things um, for unawakened like anchor. You know that that exactly that really happens, and then part of your brain and your subconscious goes back to that moment where you remember that movie and thought okay, well, it happened in that movie. So it, it, it's an anchor to like fuck with you. It, it's just, it's crazy how prevalent it all is. It really is. And the more awake you become, the more it's, I mean, because they put it out in plain sight. So at, when you start to awake and you see the pedophile symbols, you see that, like you said, the vampirism and this, and this slow, and it's, and it's not even slow anymore. This almost extreme push towards normalizing pedophilia, which is my theory is as we approach uh, the light, as we as things get brighter, the darkness is exposed quicker, and because of that, you've got this extreme push, and it feel it feels like this whole year has been this extreme push. I mean, it was almost like a quantum leap in pushing of pushing the the yeah exactly the vampirism. If you look at Netflix, it's totally satanic. The only and the only the only good white guy they have on uh, Netflix because it's totally anti-white male is Lucifer. Like that's the only non-beta hero on netflix is lucifer himself that that tv show everything else is not every everything else is about shooting down or putting the white male in his place as a submissive or a beta or the villain 
And also it's all the program, it's all about artificial intelligence, uh, Satanism, uh, exactly, zombies and vampires. It's been, like you said, a huge push in the past 20 to 30 years of uh, vampirism. And, and in the past 10 years, big push towards zombies. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. No, th- there's this whole, like, what, I, where did all the alpha males go? You know, I, uh, I like to talk about recently, just within the last couple of weeks, I put some of like my big Tinder fails on uh, my stories and people were just like giving me the hardest time laughing with me about it. But like through me kind of making these like silly disclosures, but um, conversations I'm having with people in my DMs, like it's this whole discussion of just like so much like, like people say soy boys and it's kind of a funny thing to say, but like really like as a woman in 2020, I can see the push kind of around the same, I swear everything is happening in like the late eighties, early nineties, all these pushes, but there's just like no macho, no alpha male. Like it's been a whole beta push that's like coincided with all of this. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Exactly. uh, With the vampires, all of this stuff going on. And the uh, transhumanism. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. You think Elon Musk is a good guy or bad guy or gray hat? I think he's a gray hat. I think he's an opportunist like Trump. I do too. My thing is like with Trump, I'm like, look, guys, Trump, uh, I I agree like you. He's an opportunist. He wants to be the hero. He wants people to like him. So what would be greater than, okay, I'm a billionaire. I have fans on TV. I've got to add a TV show. The greatest thing was you could, I'm the savior of the world or I'm going to save my country. And, you know. Avenge my friend's death. I I think this is a, a multitude of things for Trump. I think it's. He was somebody that wasn't really, I mean, he he was kind of political, but essentially apolitical. He was very well liked. He is an opportunist. I, I just think that avenging JFK, I think that um, he hated Epstein. He wanted to, like, you know, he's a capitalist at heart. He doesn't believe in all the government bullshit that we go through. Like, he, he wants to make money. He wants to to live the American dream. And so I think that I, I think Trump is not a bad guy. I think he is a gray hat as well, but essentially a white hat. But yes, yeah, so I think Elon's a, an opportunist. Yeah, I just worry about Elon because of the transhumanism and the the tunnels. You know, the tunnel boring. Oh right, right, right. No, I think I mean I think if the Satanist called Elon and was like, "Hey, we want you to like bore some tunnels down to um, Middle Earth for us," I think he'd fucking do it. He's just gonna make the money. Right. He's going to do whatever, whoever's do th- scratching his back that day. Do you think JFK Jr. is alive? I don't. Oh, that's one that I keep finding stuff every Here, I, day. I, I tell people this. I would love to be wrong about this, truly. I would love for JFK to fly in on a unicorn, to be the vice presidential nominee with Trump on November 3rd. I, I would truly love for that to happen. Um I think that the JFK is a psyop. I think it's uh, something to discredit the movement. I think that uh, it it's something that people love to hang their hat on, but they're unable to articulate appropriate arguments that go with it to show why he might still be alive. And so in that respect, that's why I think it's a psyop to discredit us and make us look crazy especially with what's going on with QAnon right now in the mainstream media. And, and this will just be the next thing that they, that they've talked about it a little bit thus far. 
But the, the most compelling argument I find for JFK in the most objective of terms is, again, if you follow blind items and you follow NT on Crazy Days and Nights, he posted a blind item once that suggested that JFK Jr. was involved in taking the mob down and that he was traveling with them and that they went somewhere where they had to go through a metal detector and when he went through it, he was exposed wearing a wire and they were going to kill him and that now he is in witness protection because of that. I've heard a lot of great theories on him. Uh, there's a YouTube channel. I'm looking for it right now to see if I could tell you the name. But this woman is like, it's, it's either full on schizo or she's 100% right because, I mean, the comms that they are supposedly exchanging between each other. And I, I want to go to the Q post actually because I think – me and you, I think the only thing that is actually true, the only actual data set that means anything are the Q posts. And Q himself says, they ask Q, is JFK Jr. alive? Q specifically says no. Now, the argument for that is he's alive, but he doesn't go by JFK Jr., right? So they're always working around it to find the answer they want. So Q actually says himself, JFK Jr. is not alive. Correct. Q says that JFK Jr. is not alive. And then the people will also counter you and say that Q also said that disinformation is necessary. That's true, too. That's another one people tell me that, uh, you know, the disinfo is necessary. I've had a lot of people that um, – I forgot what I was going to say. I'm still looking for this channel because people – I'd love to show people this channel. I can't find it. Maybe, you know what, maybe they took the channel down, actually. That's why I can't find the videos for it. I think that's what happened, yeah, because it's – yeah, this channel has been killed. I can't find anything. But, like, what, 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 the last video I saw of this woman – she has this music she plays in her videos, very specific music. And she's like, well, Trump is using this music in his rallies now. And, and, and you know, I mean, but the, the, it goes much deeper than that, obviously. It's just crazy stuff. My theory on JFK Jr. is this. Okay, let's assume Project Looking Glass is real. Why wouldn't you, able, why wouldn't you be able to see, you know, these things like, you know, Hillary running for the Senate. And, you know, the theory is that she, she took the plane down. There was a bomb on the right. plane. No, and that the Patton. Her, she used her patent, the black box patent, to uh, take the plane down. Oh, I, I didn't even know that when I heard that there was a. They had they had saw that there was a bomb on the plane, and they told JFK Jr. not to fly on it, and that was the outcome of them using the looking glass. I didn't know that one though. That's a new one for me. Oh yeah, Hillary and the Rose Law Firm owns a patent that literally is a kill switch, and that's how she's Arkansas'd so many people. It can be used on like vehicles or planes. Interesting. So. I'm still open to the possibility that Junior's alive, but I guess you have collapsed that to a no, huh? It, it, objectively, it is a no. I, I don't base my arguments in speculation. So would I love to be wrong about this? Most definitely. But when we red pill people, when we talk to people, like your first foot forward does not need to be that JFK is because <laughs> that just makes us all look like a bunch of fucking idiots. So let me ask you this. What's the inverse of that? What do you lead with that is like your facts of facts that's like going to blow somebody's mind and say, yes, this is entirely, I should be looking into this. What is your big, what's the truest red pill for Q to get people into Q? First off, I don't red pill people. Um, people, you cannot really truly red pill someone. They have to red pill themselves. Um, you can that's leave true. breadcrumbs, but the harder you push the... Um, 
the the worst type of response you're going to get. But if I, I'm talking to somebody, I'm trying to open their eyes. What's a big cue proof then? Give give me a give me your favorite cue oh, proof. Right. Um, I, I think the McCain. I I, I I would go to that. I don't really use cue to red pill people though. I um I I I lead a horse down to water to eventually come to cue, and then I have people look at it themselves. So I might talk about okay, are you aware that Trump began this initiative against human trafficking in December of 2017. And are you aware of the executive order that he issued that um, froze people's assets that were involved? And have you seen how many people he's arrested and how many people have been arrested in his, uh, you know, under his administration for this kind of stuff? And then sometimes I'll ask people like, have you ever seen these videos where Biden is being a little suggestive and, kind of touching children inappropriately. You just have to like kind of start like putting like the breadcrumbs there around it. Um, you were going to say McCain. Oh, yes. I'm just saying I like McCain as a cute proof, but that's when you get really to talking to somebody that understands cute. Well, that's what I mean. So I'm not talking to like your average, because I know a ton of people that know conspiracies, I, I, but, but I they like. I talk to people about cute. I guess that's the point I'm making. Oh, um, uh, okay. I, 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 people want to know about Q and I have to give them the answer. And so that's where I have to come from. They're like, please disprove this or prove it to me because they want to believe it, but they can't get past the, you know, the, the, the mainstream, the giant wall of the mainstream narrative, uh, you know, cognitive dissonance. Well, I I think predicting McCain's death is is an easy one. If you want to give something people tangible. My big one is general Flynn. Right. That, that, that's definitely there too. I think, and General Flynn gets into a very good discussion on just like really treason in general. You can talk about Rod Rosenstein's testimony over the summer where he said that the FBI was aware that um, that there was no Russian collusion and that there was nothing on Flynn in January of 2017. And then literally the next day, Rod Rosenstein, Obama, and Biden are in the Oval Office talking about how they're going to take Flynn down from there. And so... I guess that's one of my problems with Trump right now. Um, if Q is real, if Trump really is Q plus, you know, why, why is nothing happening at all? And then part of me. But things are happening though. Lots of things have happened. Well, no, 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 no. I agree. But like we could have taken action on that back in 2017. We could have taken action on a lot of things and we haven't. So. Then- well, I tell people it's about optics. Right, right, right. But then I go back to my own favorite conspiracy theory where I keep telling myself that Obama has issued blanket pardons and that the Trump administration can't take any of these people down because they're all have been absolved at this point. So, you know, me more than anyone knows that the law is a very, very slow place. And especially if you're literally taking down huge heads of state um, for treason and sedition and all these crazy crimes well that, that's my thing is like my my theory is this they can't do the arrest when they made those a post my first of all the posts are being being almost put out backwards like what you're going to see over the next couple of weeks is actually the beginning of the q posts like according to the q clock and everything but the other thing is the deep state is so embedded in the courts in the justice system and the in in washington and the police departments all over the country that it's going to take three or four years. It's going to may take, it may take the whole first administration, the whole four, four year, whole first four years just to get it set, just to get the pieces set 
or then they can start making arrests. Because if you make arrests now, especially if you make them during the election, that's bad optics for one. And if you don't have the deep state cleared out at the level of uh, justice, you know, they're just going to be, they're going to, they're not going to arrest these people because they're not going to be able to send them away. The, the deep state will, you know, they're so embedded that until they clean that a certain level of that out, there's, they can't make arrests because those cases would be thrown out or, you know what I mean? So that's my theory that they've been slowly dismantling these things or, or the other theory is, and I don't know what you think of this, is that they actually have already made the arrest. And a lot of these people have been under a house arrest or they've been, they've said, you're going to take the Rommel death here like McCain did, or uh, George H.W. Bush did, you're going to take that debt option, or you're going to work with us, and you're going to play a part here for the next few years as we sabotage and slowly drain the swamp. We're going to make the mainstream media look so bad it's going to collapse under its own weight. That's another theory that I've been kind of, you know, I don't, I don't play with your theory because that's your theory, but my theory is either they're cleaning it out because they can't do nothing until they do, or they've already arrested everybody, the, the main ones that needed to be arrested. And those people are just playing a part, which is, you know, enjoy the show. Right. I mean, Q does say we're watching a movie and it's been a hell of a movie thus far. You know, there, there are some very strange things that are going on. There are some very strange behavior. And so part of me does agree with you that some people are, are actually following a script because they have been in trouble thus far. You know, again, as the attorney, I have to, I rely on what I can like objectively determine, you know, I, I would love for the military tribunals to be real at this point. I, I just don't find anything that I can objectively rely on that says that that's actually happening. Like, again, I would love to be wrong about that. Uh, I would love for that to be happening behind the scenes. Uh, but I also believe in clones and I believe that a lot of the people that we see on television are clones. I don't see. That's that. very interesting that you'd bring that up because you just talked about, you know, needing some kind of, you know, like real world, like, I guess, quantifiable information and, and clones for me. That's one of the most that's even further out for me to believe than the time travel and looking oh, glass. Really? The clones are very hard for me to believe because where do we get the technology from aliens or did we develop this on our own? Like, what's your theory on the clones? Oh, I have this book that I am obsessed with and it's called The Experiment by John Darnton, like D-A-R-N. T-O-N. And my stepdad gave it to me when I was probably like eight or nine years old. And it's about cloning and it's fiction. Don't get me wrong. But it's so interesting. And it talks about how cloning has been around since like the forties. And it's this just like whole fictional story, but it, it's a very interesting. And it just I have been obsessed with cloning since then. Soft disclosure, sounds like to me. Soft disclosure. um, But I I never believed the stuff that came out about like Dolly the sheep. Uh, I've always believed in in, like all the questioning I've done in my lifetime that like we have far advanced technology than um, the government's ever telling us. So I think from... Literally, this theory of mine, again, it it defies the exact explanation I just gave you. I agree. But I guess my belief is that, like, we really, truly do have crazy-ass technology. Like, the whole... I'm right there with you. Stargates and that kind of thing. So I just don't think that cloning could not not be possible, I guess. Well, that's the thing. If I'm going to believe that 
uh, alien craft, uh, stargates, Project Looking Glass. These are all re- reverse engineered alien technologies that you said, you, know, right, you said yourself, the 40s, Roswell, 30s, uh, the Nazis a little bit before that even. That's where all these things start to happen, uh, where we get the technology that we have today in the commercial realm that's come off of that. But also, like, 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 you, like we, we talk about, like 30 to 50 years of advanced technology that is not available in the commercial or public sector. And so if I'm going to believe in these other things, why can't I believe in cloning? So I want to believe in cloning, but for me, it's like, what is the, I can't, I can't understand the technology of cloning because I have one soul. Does that, does that clone not have a soul? Does it have my memories? Is it, is it its own thing? And so that's the, that's been the hardest one for me is cloning because I'm like, I just, from a consciousness perspective, I find it very hard to believe it. Maybe it's its own thing. Maybe it's just a complete different being or does it share like, cause here's the thing. It's like, okay. One of the theories I've heard is they have backups. So they get killed. They're able to transfer their consciousness like somehow. Stack. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is alien technology. Maybe they figured something out with consciousness that I don't know, obviously, but I almost shouldn't believe in the other stuff if I don't believe in the cloning because they cloning, it makes more sense than time travel, actually. Right. And it, you can almost like hang your hat on it more than you can time travel because uh, string theory is a, a really hard motherfucker to understand. Quantum computing, quantum theory is uh, intense. There's a, in the interest of uh, soft disclosure and predictive programming, there's a movie on... Netflix and I, I have to give me a second I'll google it right now but it's about a robot caring for a child and like raising a child in this like post-apocalyptic world and in that it grows a child in a sack in 24 hours and so I I just think that 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 is some predictive programming some soft disclosure of like what our actual capabilities uh, with cloning truly are. I, I agree. Have you ever watched devs on Hulu? No. What is that? It's, you need to watch this. It is this, it is, it is project looking glass. It is literally project looking glass. You should check it out. Devs on Hulu. Anybody listening? Interesting on a kind of how they actually use this technology. Obviously it's not the story of project looking glass. It's kind of the story of this guy who has, who invents this technology to deal with his own personal life, right? You know, but it's also governments involved, all these other things. I'm not going to spoil it, but if you want to understand how Project Looking Glass works from a technical perspective, how they're uh, projecting their consciousness and seeing images into the future, watch devs. It's, it, and, and they have the black cube. It's amazing. They have yellow cube in there. It's really cool stuff. So definitely check out devs. Um, the, but yeah. The movie I was talking about is called I Am Mother grow this baby in a sack so quickly and i just i think that probably has something to do with what's going on but netflix is crazy because it's full of transhumanism satanism um they're slowly pushing child pornography and uh i don't subscribe to it but my parents still do so when i go over there i watch it i'm guilty i'm guilty of watching it oh i'm guilty of watching it too i i kind of Obviously, I don't want to like contribute money to that company, but I'm one of those people that like I can't just like not watch something like I still love Forrest Gump. You know, Tom Hanks is a pedo, but like that's still an incredible movie. 
You know what I mean? And like, I'm not going to like not stop. Uh, See, this is another thing I've had to come to grips with. And I knew, I didn't know Isaac Cappy, but I knew about Tom Hanks years ago. Like I've just been so deep in these things, but getting, getting into Q, I, I found the Isaac Cappy stuff. And what really bummed me out was this realization my whole life that maybe I had been slowly groomed by Steven Spielberg, right? To, you know what I mean? Like a, a, a very s- a slow, unconscious burn of pushing these ideas. And maybe I've been groomed by a pedophile via their entertainment. So that was one of those things I had to go back and reconsider all the programming I'd taken on unconsciously as a child and a teenager and, and having to reconcile that now, you know? So I'm done with Hollywood now. I am, I will not, uh, I, if, I, if I'm going to see a movie, it's something I really, really want to see bad. And it's probably going to do with one of these topics we're talking about. The last Most movie, definitely. The, I just saw Tenet, right? I don't know if you've seen Tenet. Um, I haven't. Really good. I'm not going to spoil that for you, but you, I, gar- I guarantee you would love this movie. Because it's okay. all kinds of stuff about, they're, they're basically reversing time in this movie as a, as a technology. It's crazy. It, it's one of, um, you know, it's, what's his name? Uh, Nolan. Nolan movies are always good. Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm writing it down right now. I got to watch it. Tenet. It's in the theaters now. I mean, I don't know. Like, how has your lockdown in your state been? Well, Tennessee really wasn't that bad, but I, you know, I was considered an essential worker and court never really stopped for me. So I haven't really been quarantined, if you will. Pretty much the same here. I mean, we got shut down in March to April. We're in, I'm in Florida. So we're lucky that we have a Republican governor that did his hardest. We were the last to close and the first to open. And I've been so thankful because I have watched here now the past year, watch so many float centers close down, change hands, or struggle to the point of like the owners losing their mind because they're in lockdown. They're like California, New York, where they can't even be open versus we've been business as usual since middle of May. And so it's, it's been tough for me to watch this unnecessary lockdown. Do you believe uh, it's a hoax? Do you believe coronavirus? I, I believe it is, it's real. It exists as a weaponized, as a bioweapon that uh, it may be fizzled out or Trump got in front of it so fast by closing it down. Like I truly believe it was a bioweapon released by China via the deep state. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Coronavirus. Coronavirus is a false flag. Coronavirus is definitely a deep state operation. I guess... I have trouble reconciling exactly who I think the deep state is at times and exactly who that involves and what countries that involves. And if there are almost like factions within the deep state that are sometimes at odds with each other, or I I just have different problems, I guess, with the psyop on different levels sometimes. So like to me, it could be a complete deep state thing, but it could also be a China versus just United States thing. So for part of it for me seems like it was a psyop from China, meaning that it is a biological weapon. It was a cycle. It is psychological warfare and that they released it. Okay. First off, fuck, we're going to get real deep. Okay. Hold on. We got to back up. So I, was really into exposing what was going on with Corona back in January. Cause I'm a, I love to live on Reddit and kind of read things that are happening in real time and all sorts of re- weird subreddits that I belong to. So I saw that something was going on in China. Now 
what developed from that was a great deal of propaganda and what is real and what is not real we will likely never know but people out there listening have to realize that like china literally has like fake cities that it uses to film propaganda in um so like the the videos you saw of people collapsing the videos you saw of people like dressed up like the white stormtroopers from Star Wars spraying down the streets with some sort of aerosol. The videos you saw where they welded people into their homes, like literally welding the door shut. Like what was all of that? So part of me wonders like if that was a psyop that China put to the world because at the same time, if you know anything about the Chinese, um, they are attached, they're obsessed with their cell phones. They're attached to their cell phones and their cell phone number is almost like their social security number. And so you get issued one of these and like it's, it's regulated through the government and like that is your phone number. You use it to pay for things, use it as identification. It's this whole thing. Two things are going on back in early January, February, March of this year. One is that 15 million, or maybe it was 18 million cell phone numbers disappeared. Wow. Explanation. Um, it's, it's not something that's made up. You can go look it up at the logistics, the data, the numbers, it's all there. These numbers just disappeared. And so again, you go back to this thing I'm telling you where like, this is the most important, almost like form of currency for these people. Like you don't just like some people were saying like, Oh, it's, it's quarantine, you know, that, they're being required to stay at home. Like maybe some people are just trying to save some money and they're letting their phone plan go or whatever. Like that, that's not how it works in China. So you have that. And if you also paid attention back then, you saw that if you looked at the global maps on um, emitting certain particles, emitting certain things into the air, that there was tons and tons of carbon monoxide coming out of Wuhan during that time. There were, remember when like nobody talks about this anymore, that China was sending in like tens of hundreds of incinerators into that area to allegedly burn the bodies of all. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And that was making these elevated carbon monoxide levels on these like global maps. And then you have 15 million cell phone numbers just fucking vanish. And so then you wonder, okay, was coronavirus a PSYOP that allowed China to release all this propaganda into the world and essentially cover up 20 million people killed from genocide for what, like their beliefs? That's a good one there. That's a really good one. That's a good, that's an interesting theory. From that, they did that coronavirus was the psyop that covered it up and then in that they realized that they could release something like that create a propaganda of fear around the entire world and look how they essentially controlled the united states while the united states was controlling us throughout this psyop so that's i guess where i have trouble because i see that happening so was that whole china this hypothetical let's call it is that part of the deep state plan or is that just china being china and then when everything came over to the united states 
and they realize, oh, hey, like we can fucking quarantine the citizens like deep state, like let's go, like let's let's move forward on this. Is that where the deep state got involved and then use this against us? Or is it all I, I, I don't know, like I don't that I don't know where that line of demarcation is. I don't know what part who's in the deep state and how all that works. So I, I really do think that's what happened in China. Um, but yes, I think it's a biological weapon. Yes. Here's my thoughts on it. I think that this plan has been around since they've had access to looking glass, that the deep state, it's been a, it's been a, a, a global thing because they're, they're pushing towards the, you know, new world order of one world government, one currency. This has been a plan long, long 20, 30, no, 60 years since they've had access to the looking glass. And so they've been able to via the way the looking glass works, plan these moves out to a certain way. This is why they've had a plan. And working up to where we are now, they've had a 16-year plan to destroy America. That was going to start with Hillary, or no, start with Obama, and then finish off with Hillary in World War III, which is why you've got deep underground military bases being built for the past 50 years, which is why you've got they're, they're putting out the Georgia Guidestones, which is why you've got the Denver Airport murals. Their plan, they put their plan out. Like, like Q says, they, they, their, their symbolism and their, they, they put it out for everyone to see. Part of, the, part of why they do it is to negate their karma. Hey, we've told you, you should have paid attention. It's too bad. And so China's a part of this, but I, I think China's become this octopus where it's got its tentacles around. And it's just because it's the best place to put the deep state because of the way China is governed, right? I think that this is this long-term plan that they've slowly now gotten to this point where they, they didn't expect Trump to win. They wanted, their, their plan has not stopped, but Trump and the alliance, God, the aliens, whoever is involved here has stepped in. These timelines have, have converged and we're on the good timeline because if you look at the looking glass whistleblowers, they say that there's a timeline where it's World War III and the a cataclysmic event, and that's why they actually put away the looking glass for a while. They said, we cannot touch this technology anymore because this is what's going to cause the world to end. And then you've got the Great Awakening, which is where we're at. And so we're on the good timeline, luckily. Trump wins. They secured the election in 2016. And here we are. And But nonetheless, the deep state is still running their plan, which was, again, their plan is to reduce the population down to a controllable level, which is on the Georgia Guidestones, and use technology transhumanism to prolong their lives and to kill everybody off with world war three so what was going to happen if hillary was elected was you were going to see a nuclear war with north korea but trump came into power they took out the mountain where they were doing their tests they took away their capability it was nothing north korea is nothing more than a cia run country which trump came trump came in took that out and he's friends with Kim Jong-il now. They write letters to each other. And so they don't have that anymore like they used to. They used the Iran and they used um, North Korea as these, these, these countries that would blackmail and, and push around the United States. The CIA isn't even the United States. The CIA is central in Switzerland. You know? And so that's another thing. It, it, either the deep states within the church in, in Rome and, in, and a part of that is in Switzerland or you've got China. And I think China's become the best place to do it now because of the the way China is structured, it because it's communist, because it's basically a kind of a dictatorship, and it's under this guise of democracy. But you know, like I, I totally think you're right that they're killing people off, and I think the coronavirus is about they have to gain control, and this is where the Hunter Biden stuff starts to come into play. Like you see all these 
these, these, these Democrats that are all blackmailed. They've got all blackmail files. The Chinese own them. The Chinese, if you've looked at the news over the past 10 years, have been coming into this country and buying everything, right? They've been trying to drain this country. They've been, they moved all the jobs, all the manufacturing over the past 20 years, 30 years into China. It's this long play of economic, social, um, military destruction of this country slowly over time, a totalitarian tiptoe where you don't realize it until you're right about, right, right about to go over the edge, which is where we're at. And so through the grace of God, through the timeline, through the great awakening, through who knows what, we get the alliance, we get Trump that has been able to just barely stop this from happening. And now because, uh, you know, I don't know, the truth, of the, the brightness of the light or something that they're still pushing it. And so the great awakening is happening. Nothing can stop what's coming, but they're still, they tried to release coronavirus. Trump stopped them. He closed the borders. Um, we've had minimal damage here. They've played it up incredibly with the media, but the, because of this, now the media is going to collapse under its own weight of bullshit and a corruption. Nobody's believing it anymore. I think the coronavirus deaths are really less than 10,000. I think you see an inflated number. That's not true. And people obviously buy whatever the media is selling. A lot of, you know, 85% of the population is asleep. So that's what we're dealing with. We've got, I truly believe like the nation of Islam's got it figured out. You've got 85% asleep, 10% the illuminated nefarious ones. And you've got the five percenters, the illuminated ones who are here like us to try to wake up and guide humanity into some kind of new, beautiful, awakened, uh, post uh, new world order type situation. I think their plan has failed. I think, I think the deep underground military bases have been hit uh, during the quarantine, I think there's a lot of things that haven't been reported on. And so I think their plan failed. Their plan was to get the coronavirus in here, ruin Trump's economy so they could get back control of the White House. If they can get back control of the White House with a blackmailed Biden, then China's running the United States. And then, and then, and that's where we would have been. And so we don't have that. Hopefully Trump will win. This will continue. The deep state will continue to be dismantled and exposed. I think you're going to see the Q clock really start to blow people's minds because you're going to see the original posts, the original arrests start to really happen on the timeline of the Q clock where it was like 11-3, not 2017, but 2020. And so you're going to see the Q clock come back into play big time. You're going to see a lot, a lot of crazy deltas here, I think, soon. And I think Trump's going to win in a landslide. I think there's going to be massive protests. Q even says there's going to be massive protests. Um, but I think we will secure. I think we're going to see some shit. I think we're going to see looting. I think we're going to see some, some stuff burning down. I think they're going to try to create chaos, um, in, in major cities, especially sanctuary cities. Do you have any predictions for the next, uh, Oh yeah. Let me tell you these predictions and then I'll have to let you go. Uh, absolutely. Uh, So I think project Bluebeam is coming. I think Project Bluebeam is coming in probably early December. I think we're going to go into a contested election. I think we're going to have election litigation a la Bush v. Gore back in 2000. Uh, people who don't know, that was more than just an actual election. That was a case that went up to the Supreme Court that decided that Bush won the election. And that was just in one state with Florida and the hanging chads. So uh, imagine, theoretically, we had 50 states litigating there. Uh, election results, it would be a shit show. 
So I, I think there's going to be some sort of election litigation going on. I think in the midst of that, the deep state's going to try to invoke Project Bluebeam. They're going to hologram some aliens, uh, like Independence Day style, and try to make this push for a one world government for us to unite in these unprecedented times uh, under this new world government. I, I think that's maybe their Hail Mary of things that they could do that's left. But I think a lot of the predictive programming with aliens, especially the disclosures by the CIA lately saying that like, hey, <laughs> aliens are real and literally nobody pays attention. To, like Bob Lazar literally like devoted his entire life to this. People annihilated him. And uh, all of a sudden back in August, you know, the CIA is telling us that aliens are real. So I think that's one possibility. But uh, w- whatever happens, you know, the... Supreme Court just said yesterday that Pennsylvania can now take up to three days to count their election results um, after November 3rd. So it's not going to end that night. And I think every single day that elapses thereafter is going to be fraught with false flags, with conflict, with um, chaos, essentially. Oh, you see, I'm really hoping for a landslide that is so significant that... Uh, that I, I think it will be a landslide. But I'm just saying like... It's, They're still going to contest it, though. Yes, most definitely. Uh, I, uh, I'm really hoping that's not... Q agrees Again, with, I, I hope I'm wrong. Q agrees with you, though. Q agrees that it's going to be a lot going on right after the election. Q says the coronavirus narratives ends November 4th, the day after the election. And then I think we're going to go into, like Q says, rioting and, uh, you know, election contesting, just like you're saying. So I don't know if you took that from Q or you just came to your own conclusion, but that's exactly what Q says. No, th- that is a... It's all Maria for you. I, I love Q. I don't follow Q like I used to. So um, Really? I think Q's gotten so much better as, as we get closer. Oh, see, I, I disagree with you. I think Q changed. Really? At some point, yes. Uh, but that's perhaps a discussion for another podcast. I guess so. Well, you know, interestingly <laughs> enough, you're, you're going to be podcast number 17 in my Ooh. order. So it's, yeah, I, I thought about doing another solo one and devoting it to Q, but I said, you know what, I'm just going to go with the natural course of things because I have so many things I want to talk about. And I know we're going to end it here very shortly. I, I wanted to talk about the stasis chambers and Gilgamesh and Nimrod. I don't know if you even got, know, know about that at all. I, I, I don't know enough to like have a discussion on that. For right. Sure. But I would uh, love to read up on that and talk to you about it sometime. Excellent. Well, your episode number 17, this has been very Q-centric. I can't thank you enough for your time. It's been a very informative conversation for myself. I think the people are going to like listening to this. It's been entertaining and informative, like all I, like I always try to do. So make sure you check out Maria on her Instagram. It's uh, well. Why don't you go ahead and give everybody the information? Sure. So my original account was my Maria seven seven seven. Unfortunately, she no longer exists. But hopefully, maybe I get that back come November fourth. For now, you can find me at my Maria seven 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 backup. Uh, but my podcast is the same name as my original account. I am on all major platforms except for Spotify. I have a good time over there. Please come listen. And thank you so much for having me. It was, it was a pleasure. And, oh, I have one short question for you. Sure. So let's say I go float sometime soon. And, And for the individual out there that doesn't, maybe one of my followers that hasn't listened to you before, you said something about doing acid and floating. So like, what should I do the first time? Well, my advice to everyone is always do the float sober. You don't go okay. stoned. Don't, and it, it's going to be almost impossible for you to do acid because how are you going to time that out? You know, you're going to, 
you got to, acid takes an hour to, or so to kick in. It's really hard when it kicks in. You're going to be all wacky. You know, it's so hard to time it. You know what I mean? It's like, you got to right. get there right on time. And here's the thing. Acid takes so long that the float's going to be maybe an hour, hour and a half. Now you could book a 12 hour float. You could book an overnight float for eight hours. We offer overnight floats here. Really? But in some, some other float centers do. But the problem with acid is uh, it's just too long and it's too powerful of a reality rearranger that you wouldn't want to do that your first time. Okay. I thought I heard you say something about that. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I do because I own a float center. I can, oh, I can okay. do whatever I want whenever I want. You know, I have that opportunity. I've had that blessing. But what I recommend, first of all, let's just go down the list real quick and I'll let you go. First float should always be sober. You want to have a baseline understanding of what floating is about. If you add marijuana to the mix, if you add a microdose of mushrooms, who knows where that floating ends and the mushrooms begin or the marijuana. I'll, I'll, I'll say another thing about smoking weed all the time and floating. I've had more um, profound experiences sober than stoned. Now, I'm, I, I was a pretty heavy stoner. Smoking weed usually just got me to baseline, and I wouldn't really get you know the stony effects that you know maybe an average or someone who barely uses marijuana. I don't know how often you smoke, but it's for me it was just like a cup of coffee. It would get me to baseline and and hold me at that. I wasn't even stoned. I would just walk around. People think I'm fine, but. That's how it got for me. That's why I'm on Sober October now. I haven't smoked in almost three weeks. So that's been, a, that's been a hell ride. But, uh, but yes, you go sober the first time and then you can add, add to it. I recommend a microdose of mushrooms. You're going to be able to walk through the door. You'll be able to pass the test of just this guy whacked out on something. Because I'll tell you, I know when you're over the limit. I don't care because this is the space I run here. I want you to explore your conscious. I want you to pedal to the metal. But a lot of float centers don't want that. And they hate that I'm saying this right now. A lot of float centers really don't like the fact that I push psychedelics because a lot of these places operate like a spa or, or a gym type environment. And they're not pushing that element of psychedelic exploration, even though John Lilly, the inventor of the float tank, did all kinds of acid, mushrooms. He almost died doing ketamine in the float tank. Don't do ketamine. In the, and in, yeah, because you can turn over and drown. That's one of those things. You don't want to do any heavy, heavy sedatives. Psychedelics are okay, but don't do ketamine. He almost died doing it. Luckily, somebody like found him drowning and they pulled him out. But uh, the inventor of the float tank was a huge psychedelic person. He's huge in the psychedelic community. He's not with us anymore. John Lilly, you should definitely check him out. He's an interesting character. But yeah, I'm going to make sure you get hooked up in Nashville. Those are some great people out there. And um, you still there? Yeah, just make sure you go sober the first time and then, you know, you can go stoned right after that, especially if you're a normal smoker. <laughs> they, yeah, it, it's its own thing for sure. But I will say after hundreds of floats, I've had more profound experiences sober than stoned. And that's only because being stoned for me was like my normal way of living. You know what right. I mean? So if, if, if being sober is your normal, is your baseline operation, my baseline operation uh, has been stoned for like 10 years and so for me that was just like every day whereas if you're not smoking all the time and you go stoned it will be profound and here's what joe rogan does the joe rogan way is to do an edible do an edible and then go floating because unlike smoking thc there's a different chemical reaction inside your body that's happening when you eat it it's not the same exact high so go sober and then go stoned and then do an edible and then do microdose and then work your way up to an overnight float with some acid. Okay. There you go. 
But yeah, there you have it. There you have it, people. There you go. So Maria, it was a pleasure. Check her out. She's on uh, all the all the. Are you on Twitter? Yes, I'm on Twitter as well, but that's my old account. Okay, I mean my Maria seven seven seven. Go find her on Instagram. She needs to build her following back up. It's a wonderful account. You'll learn lots of things. You'll get all kinds of perspective on the Great Awakening, on Q, on conspiracy theories from a legal perspective. It'll really help you. It'll help bolster some of your arguments sometimes with people who are like, oh, you're just a crazy person. So, Maria, thanks again. It was a fantastic conversation. We almost went two hours. So, great content the whole way. God bless you. And uh, I wish you the best. And hopefully, we'll be talking again soon. Yeah, hopefully you come on my podcast soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds great. Would love to do it. So I'm going to end it right now. And then I'm going to, let's see, do I stop recording first or do I end? Let me stop recording.